0: Throughout my adult life, my focus has been on making the world a more beautiful place. Initially, I pursued this goal as a hairstylist, working on the external appearance of individuals to make them feel more beautiful. However, I wanted more, so I began to shift my focus to helping people make better choices and achieve greater beauty from within. As a transformational life coach, I specialize in helping you identify and change the limiting beliefs that may be holding you back. Join me each week as we discuss, interview, teach, and explore the fundamental principles of healthy relationships. Welcome to Conscious Conversations with Louisa. In today's episode of Conscious Conversations with Louisa, I'm speaking with Alex Love Lee. Brian, tell us. Who you are. And one of my favorite questions is what are the things that instead of me doing your laundry list of bio, right. what are the things that you are proud of yourself for in this life?
1: Sure. It's so a little bit about me. I'm Brian. I live in Dallas, Texas. I am an introvert, extrovert. So I love to be around people. And I was terrified to be around people at the exact same time. And that kind of leads into your question: is what I'm the most proud of is rather than sit in the prison of my own mind, I was always searching for ways on how to interact with people better. Sometimes I felt like I missed that day in school. And I took the leap. I ran into this guy, Matt, and he taught me how to understand people better. And that's the thing that absolutely changed my life. And I've used it not just for personal success, but now I'm teaching it to other people as well.
0: Wow. How old were you when this happened?
1: This happened 12 years ago, and it was a fluke thing. A friend came in to, from out of town and she's like, hey, let's do dinner while I'm in town. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I got to the venue. I just ordered a glass of wine. She's like, hey, I'm not going to make it. Here we go, right? Like, like, no, no, no. You need to come over here and meet this guy. I'm like, nope. I already sat down. I have my glass of wine. I'm good. Thanks for ditching out on me. She said, no, trust me. You want to come meet this guy. I'm like, all right, fine. So I went over there and instantly he read in my face. And I'm like, whoa. You know, and it wasn't Barnum statements like you've had a tough time in life or, oh, you've lost someone whose name starts with an M but very specific details. And we were sitting at a table with like six other people. He's like, you this, you this, you this. And it completely blew me away. And after that, I was hooked. And so I started driving from Dallas to Fort Worth to go to, he used to do two classes a month in person in this little bank building. And I would drive over there. And at one point he created a certification for it. And I went and got certified. And like I said, just completely changed my life.
0: That is amazing. I remember you doing that at Secret Knock with me, and I was like, and then I couldn't help but want to introduce you to everyone with a pulse so I could read their face or have you read their face for me. So I knew how many people I really liked right away thanks to you assessing the situation.
1: And that's the fun part about right? Like, so the reason I call the company Subtle Skills is because you don't, tell everybody you're doing it except for when something like when we're at secret knock where it's like oh hey read their face and then people are either totally on board or they're horrified like they're what no uh, no, nope, i'll be over here and it's just a great thing so you'll actually see this a little bit later that's one of the things in my slides it says you know it's actually like being a celebrity in a small area because once people know that you have this skill and you've learned it then they'll come you ask like what about this person i'll bring you somebody on their phone or they'll bring somebody else up and It is kind of like being a mini celebrity if people know what you're doing.
0: Absolutely. So it does make me think because everybody, I I saw you be the celebrity there and you had to kind of step into that the entire time. You do it for a living. What does it feel like when everybody wants you to do it as, can can I just ask you 400 questions and then do it for free everywhere?
1: So it's fun. Like that's the thing. If I'm at an event already, I don't mind it because when you're doing something you're passionate about. the time flies, right? And it's kind of fun when I go out because I can go out to different places and if somebody knows, then it's kind of like going and running into friends, right? And so there's not really been an event that I've been to that has just worn me out afterwards. The opposite, like you and I were talking about before we started, is I end up leaving more energized because you got to connect with so many different people versus just sitting alone by yourself. It's just a game changer. Yeah.
0: You have such an amazing... Energy that I can't ever imagine you sitting alone anywhere by yourself. I mean, you exude so much beautiful energy that I was drawn to you regardless of this. But this does—you did feel like a celebrity to me there because of this extra special skill.
1: Yeah. Oh, here's the funny thing about Secret Knock. I went as an attendee, and then Greg came up there and he's like, "And well, we we're walking around and they were asking questions, and I remember one of the guys like." I know his name was like Scorpion or whatever. But you know who I'm talking about—the like the guy who created all the self-defense. And he was tell- talking to us about all the algorithms and what they were doing in like defense technology and everything else.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, okay.
1: Or maybe it was Scorpio was his name, but anyway, he one of the things he said is you can't help broken people all the time if you're broken yourself. Oh, wow, that was a good right. And so after I read that, Greg tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, "Hey, by the way," and he said it on the microphone in front of and Brian's going to be speaking tomorrow. And I immediately went, oh, shit, because I didn't plan on that, right? I went as kind of an attendee. And then he gave me that opportunity to talk. And that's another game changer is it's, I would be happy to be at secret, not just to learn and sit around and get like the energy and feed off of everybody else and have so much fun, but getting to share with people and see people have the aha moment. I, that just lights me up. So, yeah. Me yeah.
0: too. I still relate to that. And I remember I came into this work because I wanted to find out what was wrong with me. I felt broken. I felt like, oh, my God, I've got to figure out what's wrong. And in the process, what I discovered was what was right with me. And one of the things that I loved was actually speaking. And so Mm -hmm. when he said he asked you to speak, I'm like, ah, that would be such an amazing dream because I would a few years ago. I think I was going to die if I spoke. And now i it's my, I can't wait to be on stage. So, right. left, so what prepared you to be able to do that? Like how, what did you do? I know you were driving to go learn, but like, how did you learn to get comfortable on stage?
1: I still get an uncomfortable. Like when I first start, if you really watch me up close, I'm nervous the first few minutes because I start looking around going, there's a lot of people. Once I actually learned to do what I teach, which is focus on one person at a time, then I don't worry about everybody else that's there. But if you watch, like I was at, at Prosperity Camp and same thing. He's like, hey, you're going to talk. And I was in the back working on a PowerPoint. He's like, all right, and here comes Brian. I'm like, what? I thought I was talking the next day. And so the first few minutes I, I used to be nervous. But what I learned from Greg and from Steve is they're like, master your opening. Because then when you walk up on stage, you automatically have that same opening over and over and over again. And you just go into that automatic mode for the first second, and then you just bring the rest of your presentation out. But I agree with you. Like, I love. It. I can show you right now. I have fourteen pages of notes from the last secret mock because if I'm there, I'm learning from everybody. Right. But to get to be up there and see people get it is just a whole other level, which is why you probably like speaking as well because it's getting to take so much in, but also getting to give some back, and that makes a huge difference.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of getting it, I, I used to. I'm a hairdresser. I've been doing hair for 25 years, and I stand behind people's chair. Just like on Zoom, you could see their faces in the mirror, right? And every time somebody it would, I would share something, would land. I could see them repeating that to themselves. I'm like, and it was such a mad It's always a magical moment. And then they leave my chair, and I get a text that says, "This opened up for me, and I took action in this area," and I just assumed everybody had that impact on people. So I I love that you said that because as you, I don't know, I have not actually, I'm not there yet to be speaking on stages. So I haven't had the experience that you're sharing about seeing it land a different perspective.
1: And here's one of the things I love about Secret walk, right? Is last year when I was there, even before I knew, one of the things I did is I just practiced walking up on stage. I just see what would it feel like to be there. So you're creating that mu- muscle memory as well. Uh-huh. And that's the thing is the stage on the side that I ended up walking onto was the stage I actually ended up speaking on later on.
0: By the way, so enjoyed listening to you and hearing you share there and you, how you shared you were a little uncomfortable. I never saw that. You seem oh, right. oh. so comfortable. <laughs> that's a-
1: no, like there's times I'm like, oh, <laughs>
0: I always love when people like you share that though because it makes everyone else feel like it's okay. You're a little uncomfortable and you get to do it anyways. And it it's part of the journey. Right. So I wished while we were doing reading my face at Secret Knock that it was being recorded. It wasn't. So maybe since it's captive audience here. (laughs) And I oh, should ask you, would you mind telling me what you shared there? Cause I swear to God, I literally was like, somebody record this.
1: Yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll go on Instagram. I'll just grab a picture of you and I'll draw arrows and I can share that so that Absolutely. people look at me and say, yeah. So give me one second. Let me go. Over here. I turned off Firefox while we we're talking. So give me a second to get it back up and running.
0: Absolutely. I'm so extra excited for this. Do you like how I caught you off guard on that? I'm like, oh,
1: Well, that's what makes it more fun. And that's why I actually, that's weird My I have cutting out for a second. That's what I actually love about it is it's because you can do it on demand. It's not a big deal.
0: Right. And what does it take to learn this as a
1: skill? It actually... It's just practice. What, so I was a bartender in college. And like the first time they throw you behind a bar, you learn basically like what does it take? So the first thing is you learn to make like rum and coke and then rum, coke and what? And as you add ingredients, that's how you span, what, how you learn to make drinks. Okay. So for example, if you do, it's been so long since I did it. So vodka and Kahlua is a black Russian. Vodka Kahlua cream is a white Russian. Vodka, Kahlua, cream, and Coke is a bulldog, right? So you just learn to keep adding one additional ingredient. And that's why, like, by the time we're done today, everybody who's watching us will be able to learn the three basic eyebrows and can immediately go out and use it. And the whole reason I teach eyebrows is because eyebrows lead to eye contact. And so when you're looking at somebody's eyebrows, it's naturally you transition down. And that's where you create a connection with people. Is in this day and age where we're all staring at our cell phones, or, well, mine was just invisible there. Or smartwatches or whatever, we're not paying attention to people like we used to. And when Absolutely. you read their eyebrows, that's what helps.
0: Yeah, it does make a, a real connection with the human being you're interacting with, where they feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And that's when the relationship gets
1: actually deep. 100%. 100%. That is the real game changer is we're so used to, and matter of fact, do you know who Brian Bogart is? at all. Mm -mm. Uh, So I met him through Steve Sims and he actually was with me last month in Phoenix and we spoke at the same event that Steve Sims was throwing a private speakeasy and literally he lined me up to when he was going to talk because what he talked about was that there's like four pillars of what people need but the pillar three and four was people want to feel seen and heard was three and then number four was connected with other people I'm like dude you're just lining me up for my speech because that's what I teach is How do you make people feel seen and heard? And there's a testimony I need to put up on Instagram of a guy who I was explaining about ears versus eyes and his assistant had larger ears. And I said, okay, well then, you know, use, and when I say this, your ears are always larger than your eyes. When you look at proportion of somebody's face, are their ears larger or smaller? Well, if they're larger then they they tend to be auditory people. And so he had a phone call with his assistant. I had to joke. And, uh, He's when he's talking to her, he's like, Hey, I, I hear you. I hear where you're coming from. I'm listening to what you said. And when he hung up with her, she sent like this long, detailed email. Normally her, her responses were like, Thanks, and that's it. But because he was speaking her language by using auditory terms, it changed the way that she wanted to interact with him. And it, it's just a game changer on things. So
0: it really is. And I remember I interviewed this lady and I was asking her what had her really win in raising beautiful children. And she said, while well, everybody else was really concerned about who they were, you know, what profession they were going to be in, her right. concern was that they were seen and heard. And I literally thought, and I brought that into my life with my children. And I thought, oh my God, I my mantra has been, I hope I don't screw them up. Right, I've been so afraid of not doing it right that, I I was not doing it right because I I was coming from fear as opposed to the experience of having my children have their own vision and they get to be seen
1: and heard. That's, everybody wants to know that they matter, right? And we all get lost in so many things and that we don't feel like, are we a person at times, right? We feel like a number, we feel like nobody sees us. And that's what really does change it. When you really, truly give people your time and attention it is a game changer. And am I just as bad as anybody else? Like, look, I have a four-year-old daughter. Sometimes she's playing in sand and I'm over on my phone or whatever, but then I purposely take time to talk to her and tell her what I appreciate about her and the things that she does because it makes a difference, right? I mean, you look at how many people, we all want to be, know that we're enough for the people that care about us. Like, sometimes we get too wrapped up in people who don't really matter or we're so worried about Outside perception, and as you get older, you learn. Oh, I don't care so much about that. I only care about the people that I care about. But you know, as a kid, man, I can't even imagine being a teenager this day and age. Like, you have social media, and you've got all these things, and you have to fit into so many different buckets. Now it's insane, and that's the challenge. Is my kids right now? And this is one of the reasons that I also started teaching this back in 2019. So to answer kind of a previous question. From 2011, and when I got certified in 2012, to 2019, I used this all for just me. And then in 2019, we were starting to travel around, and I was going somewhere every 90 days. I thought, well, I just want to teach this when I'm going to places. And that's when I really put Subtle Skills together. And the whole reason I call it Subtle Skills is because you don't tell people what you're doing. But when I started teaching it, and you see the impact it makes, and what I do teach people is, you you want to test this and not tell anybody else about it. Servers, when you're at the airport, gate agents, hotels, because nobody pays attention to those people. And what you'll get is you make them feel like a person instead of just transactional interactions. And then every person after you has a better experience, right? People love to share the story about when they go and pay for the next person in line Starbucks, right? And it's a, it's a great great effort. I applaud people who do it, but you can do it so much easier because if you make somebody feel like a person every other person they meet that day gets that same level of respect and everything. It's just I
0: love that. I love that. And it's so true.
1: So sorry, I got distracted. My, I'm now looking for pictures of me. Here, I'm going to grab a fun picture.
0: Can't wait to see which one you picked. Yeah. Well,
1: because it'll actually lead me into the part of what I was going to show today. So I'm going to grab here, here, capture it. Then I'm going to share my screen a different way.
0: I'm impressed with the extra special tech skills you have too, because I'm not blessed with those <laughs> yet. I'm going to say, I didn't used to be blessed with them. I invite that beautiful skill into my life.
1: All right. Can you see this picture?
0: Yes. It says JP.
1: Well, actually, it's supposed to be a picture of you okay? Hold on one second. <laughs> Let me go back. And why is it not showing it all at on one site? You just got them talking about my tech skills and then I can't I know. Even-
0: I'm sorry. Well, they created
1: I'm that speaking. one. <laughs> All right. There you go. So okay.
0: Uh huh.
1: So I purposely picked this one because in this day and age, this is what a lot of people can see, and that's it. And so when we're looking at people this day and age, I can still, even with seeing this part here of your forehead, okay. this part here in your eyes, I can still tell a lot about you, right? And so this part right here, as I draw the arrow, Uh huh. All right, so I'm going to make this a little bit smaller on the arrow size. All right. So this area right here of your forehead, that means your process driven step one, step two, step three, step four. So I know if I jump from step one to step four, you're going to stop and go, well, what happened to two and three? So this is what's called a brow ridge. And so when I see that on people, and so I'm in sales, I'm a regional vice president, I sell technology, in addition to speaking. I know if I'm dealing with somebody who has that brow ridge, I have to go and explain every step of what we're doing because they don't want to just say a meet and greet and then get to the final product. They want to know what's going on behind the scenes. So I would actually over-communicate with this person all the different steps that we're going to go through from the time you sign the contract until the time we're going to deliver our product. What is everything that you can expect along the way? And people who have that brow ridge also love to reverse engineer things, right? Because you may want to go and do it your own way. So just that brow ridge right there, I can tell that part. Now. So if we want to take that part out, so the other thing that we can do is we can take from the inside of somebody's eye to the outside, you can look at how does their eye angle. And I mean, I'll show this in the PowerPoints here in a second, but see yours actually angle up. So what I know is that means you have the optimist. You want to hear about the positive side of things. So if I'm selling something to you, then what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to talk about here's all the benefits, here's the features, here's all the positive things that we had to do for the product and how everyone's going to benefit. Now, conversely, if your eyes angled down, and I'll show a picture of that here in a minute, then I would talk about all the obstacles that we overcame because when somebody's eyes angled down, they are used to seeing the problems that could occur. And I know that because I used to have that. I was raised by a dad who could tell me everything that would ever go wrong with a project. So I became great at troubleshooting things because I was always thinking, oh yeah, but what about this? Oh yeah, what about that? Once I got into personal development, my eyes actually angled up. you get to see that here in a few minutes. Wow. And so that's just from looking here. Now, you also have straight eyebrows, right? Get straight to the point. Don't waste your time, right? And then you have a rounded forehead here. So you're outside the box thinker. You want to know how does everybody else do it? And then you're going to do it your own damn way anyway, right? And so that, those 100%. two things, the rounded forehead and then the brow ridge, that's part of why you want to understand every step because you may have a better way of doing it. So that's just from grabbing a simple picture of you. And that's just one picture from below. And I'll see if I can grab another one. But I want to show people how even with a mask, you can still read a lot on people. Because there are a lot of places that still have mask mandates and people feel lost. Now, I will tell you who does suffer is kids. Because we're all natural born lip readers. And if you're trying to learn a vocabulary and expand your language, we tend to read lips. And that's why if you ever watched a movie and it's dubbed over from Another language to English, or the sub. Let's say you're listening to a movie and the sound is a little bit off. Mm -hmm. You have a hard time watching it because we still naturally read people's lips, and so kids, kids can't read lips. And not only is it harder for them to hear, but they can't watch to mimic what the lips are doing to make that sound. That's a great. Oh yeah, I'm just telling you.
0: Wow, wow, I haven't, I haven't even thought that. But I'm also thinking of all of the. Expressions that we have on our face that get hidden behind the mask for the has been hidden behind the mask for the last two years and self expression is suffering.
1: Oh, absolutely! You can't tell if somebody's really smiling unless they smile so big that you see the crinkles on the side of their eyes. We don't know if they're smiling behind a mask. So sarcasm has gone to a whole other misunderstood level because when you say something sarcastic, you usually laugh. Well, if people can't tell if you're laughing, they're like, "Well, he's an a hole," and you're like, "No, I meant that as a joke." So with masks, you have to watch sarcasm as well because people can't tell. Are you smiling? Are you not? And there's a lot of... So what I teach is more of the... I go and like I am here, just grab a picture of somebody. But what I'll also go and do is you can watch for what's known as like micro-expressions that people do. Like When somebody's upset, they press their mouth together. Like, Well, you know if you can see that, oh, I said something wrong, or they're trying to bite their tongue, they're literally forcing their mouth closed so they don't say what they don't want to say. Well, you can't see that in a mask. Wow. So are a lot of challenges with things when you're going into masks. Sorry, I'm looking for another picture. Yeah,
0: it's so funny you say that. I had a, a friend of mine ask me, how do I know as trends change on how to cut someone's hair? And <laughs> I said, I actually let my client call the shots on how their hair is cut because they're always watching me. And time right. I'm about to do the next move, their body gives me a language of like, yes, that's okay. Or no, that's not. And their body language is actually directing my traffic to what I'm going to do next. And I'm so in tuned. And I didn't even know that I was doing that until I was explaining to him. He goes, sounds like you're making love to your clients. And I'm like, that is
1: an interesting way to describe it.
0: And I was dying laughing because the reality is, is, I'm probably way more attentive there than not. And I am absolutely watching their body language and their facial expressions and their every single move to decide my next move. And right. it, it's what I've done and it works.
1: So here's this one, I'm since kind of it's a secret photo, right? Yeah. You and Dan. So same thing we we're talking about earlier. Let me move my mouse over to here so that you can see with the eyes, they angle up, so it's a little bit easier to see on these pictures. So when you look at someone, eyes angle either angle up, that's the optimist, even keel, give or take, doesn't really matter. Down, they see the downside. So you look at yours, I know that I should always be talking about the positive side of things. As a matter of fact, if I start talking too negative, you shut down. You're just like, oh, that's not what I want to hear. And you tune people out. So you may still be nodding, but you're not paying attention to me more because you're like, why be so negative? Like-? Right. And so when I look at somebody like that, that's just a perfect example of that. And that's just by looking at your eye angle. So the other things we can see from here, these are called talk lines. So let me uh, change here. So this right here is a talk line. So I know you're somebody who enjoys a good conversation. Now, you just told us what you do for a living, right? But I know even if I had no idea what you did, you enjoy a good conversation. And it's your face telling us this. And people I know are listening and going, this is bull. But we say what we understand about face reading. So this has been around always since the Greeks. And it actually used to be taught in school. And because that, it became part of our everyday language. But then they took it out of schools because it got lumped in with phrenology, which is bumps on the, the head. Because it used to be like, oh, well, here's a bump right here. You're a criminal. Let's go ahead and put you in prison. And the difference is, understanding how to read someone's face is, doesn't define your character. All it says, how do you best receive information and how do you process information? So, for example, was seeing these talk lines right here, I know you enjoy a good conversation. So, why would I only send you emails? I would call you up on the phone and talk to you because you enjoy talking, right? And so that's what these two lines here. You've got a good, strong, rounded chin. So, I know you stand up for everyone that you care about. So, like they, and we say this one, if I say, Hey, she knows how to take one on the chin, right? That's how do you handle adversity and criticism? And when it's rounded, that is you're, you're standing up and taking that criticism and, that, and handling that adversity for the people you care about. So rounded features are associated with taking care of others. Straight features are like, I have to understand it. So for example, I too have an angled eyebrow. So see how yours is straight and then angles at the very end? Uh Well, that's helped me understand it so I can help other people. So an easy way to remember that is what's my angle? So if I see an angled eyebrow, I know help them understand it so then they can help other people. If I see rounded eyebrow, and I'll show this again in PowerPoint here in a few minutes, a rounded eyebrow is they think about the people around them first and themselves second. And the straight eyebrows get straight to the point. So when you look at people, you can literally realize things about their face just by looking at them. So there's just so many different things that you can see. Like when you see a good strong nose, like right here where the ridge is, that's called a Romanesque nose. And what that is, is that's people who are used to pushing for what they want. And so that actually creates that in there. And now if your nose blends in with your face where you don't have a ridge, those are people who like working in groups more than they like working alone. And I know people are going to ask later, well, what about genetics? Where does that come into play? Genetics is what you're born with. Epigenetics is what happens to you over time that alters your face because the mind creates movement and movement creates muscle. And I'll show a picture of me at 18 versus 38 and look at how different my face is. And I didn't go get my eyebrows threaded or anything else, but it's what happens to us over time. Wow. Yeah. This is blood. Yeah. And then I can't remember... But I think when you smile big, is there a little line right here underneath your nose? No. No? Okay. I couldn't tell if that was a shadow or not right there. Um, but yeah, so the rounded chin, high and wide cheeks, tons of energy. Like we already talked about this before everybody else was on. You will keep going and going and outlast more people. So if you think about cheeks, they're like gas gauges. So when somebody's cheeks are in close, those are sprinters. So they'll break. But the wider they are, they're more like marathoners and they'll keep going and going. Ever wonder why Santa Claus has these super wide cheeks that are way out here and are rosy? Two things. Rounded cheeks are they they take care of others and it's, in a, it's a consensus builder, but they're so far apart because what does he have to do in one night? He's got to get all the way around the world. And that's the funny thing. It used to be taught not just for, it is still taught in some places for lawyers, for jury consulting, but authors and artists used to take classes on it. And so it's called physiognomy. But they used to take courses on it because when you were writing a book back in the day, we didn't have photos. And so when they were describing a character, they'd have to describe what their faces look like. So you knew who's the villain and who's the hero just by looking at them, or sorry, by picturing what they the character describes them as. But I guarantee you right now, you turn on any cartoon, any Disney movie, put it on mute based on what the character looks like. You know who's the hero and who's the villain. And why? Because of the way they draw their faces.
0: Wow. I do remember you saying that and that hit home for me then. And mm-hmm. it just landed even more intense right now. It's so true.
1: It is. I mean, if you, the funniest thing is if you want to meet the best people who understand what somebody's face should look like for a character role, casting agents in Hollywood. So if you ever watched a movie and you're like, that person should not have been in that role, it's because their face doesn't match what right. the character role is. But Absolutely. we talked about straight eyebrows get straight to the point facts figures data i don't know like spot i mean literally when they draw all these characters they pick who's going to be and what that character is going to look like a lot of times it's altering their face to look like that wow yeah
0: this would come in really great for dating sites you know when you're like going through all the profile pictures that's a no that's a yes
1: oddly enough and you know, people are going to think you set me up for this since secret knock last year, I created looking for love and all the wrong com because. The reason why is during COVID, what did people do online dating? I'm not going to put my health at risk to, you know, go out and date somebody and people lie on their resume, just like they do on their online profile. So people started hitting me up enough that I said, I'm just going to create a course. And literally if you go, well, I can show you the course. Um,
0: I I love that I tend to do this. I step right into exactly. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times this happens. I always know and then the person goes, "Exactly."
1: Yes. Well, again, it's almost like you know where to go. So This is literally my website. And so it's looking for love in all the wrong faces. And it's it's a cheaper course and I'd say it's cheaper than two bad dates. Is <laughs> well, the tagline? Yeah, the, the whole thing. Now what I did with this one, and this is actually kind of interesting, someone you should interview on in the future. She wrote a book called this Gnostic sales and marketing. And what she learned is by working with people who had, were in having an MRI done as they were working on them and asking questions and things, they looked at how the brain reacted. And so what she taught me is when you're first teaching a concept to people, start with cartoons. Because we get too wrapped up in the actual details of someone's face or the details of a product, whatever. So people learn faster through cartoons. So, unlike my regular course, this is all done with avatars and cartoons so people could learn it faster. But it was a really cool. Kimberly Slavic is her name. And, but she wrote a book, This Gnostic Sales and Marketing. It's a great book if you're dealing with people. Like, people hate to be asked questions because they feel put on the spot. So all you want to do is craft something that people say like, yes, that's right. Or the answer. So I'll share the book with you later on.
0: I would love that. This is brilliant.
1: Yeah. So why do I call it facial analysis? Because when I say face reading, people go, oh, can you read palms too? And I'm like, no, nope, I have no nothing about that. So I call it face analysis. And then why is it face? Because it's fine, access, convert, express. That's what you're doing. So you find a facial feature, access what it means. Then convert it. So, how would they best hear it? And then express it that way. And so, I'll give an an example of this in a weird way. And you may have heard this one before at at Secret Knock. I went to a wedding at Jekyll Island last January. It was actually, they got married the day, could be January 1st. They got married. And at the reception dinner, I noticed that the guy serving us wine and serving our table. Is it said where he's from on the name tag and said he was Hungarian? I'm like, wait a minute, okay. I went to Budapest, I, I know Hungarian. Let me go and, and look. And I keep it on my phone phonetically. So he came back and he filled up my wine glass and I said, Kosanome. And the guy stopped. He's like, You speak Hungarian? I said, Well, I've been to Budapest, and you know, we learned basic phrases, it's out of respect. And he went and brought other servers. And guess whose glass was never empty that night? Not just me, anybody else at my entire table. So nine other people benefited for me taking two seconds to make that guy feel seen and hurt. And that's exactly what this is, is when you're looking at somebody's face, people go, oh, is it manipulation? No, it's creating an understanding. And it's about making, how would they receive the message more important than what do I want to say? And mm-hmm. people can tell the difference between when you are just pushing your agenda or if you, they feel like it's customized for them.
0: Absolutely. So I have a question for you. Sure. I find that, really powerful, extraordinary people that I'm around, which I'm blessed enough to be around a lot. Right. And to want to ask questions more than they want to tell people about who they are. Yes. They they tend to want to know more about you than say, let me tell you who I am.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Granted, they are more infamous than the other. But how do you get to have a balance of being seen and letting people know who you are, but then learning that amazing skill of asking people about who they are.
1: Yes. So it's a combination. Like I said, it only talks about how do they best receive information and process information. But I'll still do things that have nothing to do with their face. Like if I'm ever in a networking event, what's the number one question everybody asks? Oh, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. hate the question. There's two reasons I hate it. Number one, everybody asks that question. Number two, what if somebody hates their job? And now you just ask them a negative thing that they're going to associate with you. So I stopped asking, what do you do? Interesting. So I changed it to, hey, especially right now. All right, when you can go on vacation next, where are you going to head and why? You'll learn more about somebody because we choose our vacations, right? Like we plan them out. We'll go to work for, you know, six months so we can go have one week of fun. And we'll put more planning into that one week of fun than we did the previous six months of work. So you'll learn more about somebody by asking them, hey, I I need a new book or new Audible. What do you recommend? Or hey, where's your next place you're going to go on vacation when you can't? Because that tells you a ton about people.
0: Absolutely. You you even get to know whether they love what they do or not in that question.
1: Exactly.
0: I'll answer that.
1: Yes, but if I Um. say, yeah, what do you do? Oh, hey, so what do you do? People are thinking, oh, hey, what can you do for me? Or like I said, what if they hate their job? And now they're like, Well, you know, and now they're in a bad mood and they blame you subconsciously for it.
0: Absolutely. I used to have a client whose father was a a doctor. And every Mm -hmm. time he went on vacation, he would tell people he fixes elevators for a living because (laughs) everybody needed a spook
1: That And that's exactly it. Oh, oh, you're a doctor. Oh, I've got this spot here. You know, you may.
0: Right. Well, it's almost like me saying, can you read my face?
1: (laughs) But But again, I love it. So that's the fun. And I like going and finding the Instagram pictures because... What people say is, oh, you're cold reading somebody because you're looking for them to nod or whatever. I'm like, send me a picture. And my favorite thing to do is I'm like, okay, let's not make it about you. Show me a photo of somebody on your phone that I don't know that isn't here. And I'll tell you what I see. And you can agree or disagree. And that's where the proof is in the pudding. Because if you can look at a picture of somebody else that's not there, that person has no reason to give away anything. Like you're talking about how people subconsciously when you're cutting their hair will react and move because Uh it's about them. But if you're reading a photo of somebody, then it's not about them. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so what I do is I go all the time. And, like, and this is where it really it changed for me. I used to be a uh, part of a, what we call the pro demo team. And it was any account over a million dollars. They flew me and two other people out to do the presentation. And I could practice everything in my hotel room. Is the PowerPoint working? Is my projector working? You know, is the demo itself working? Everything was great. I had most things nailed down except for the people because I never knew well, what about the people? Would tell me, you know, you can look up people and Google them to a degree. Once I learned to analyze their faces, I had two weapons. Number one, I could research them ahead of time and figure out, are they visual or are they auditory? How do they take in information? Then when I was hitting something, let's say I was doing the PowerPoint or the live demo and I wanted to get their attention, I would say visual words. Like, if you can see where I'm coming from, picture this. And then I would point at the person because I knew they were visual versus auditory. Or if I'd say, if I saw somebody's auditory, say, oh, you know, does this sound like a good idea? Do you hear where I'm coming from? And then some people are kinesthetic and I'd ask questions like, can you wrap your hands around what we're talking about right now? When you start doing that and you're looking at the person, they're like, holy shit, they're talking to me because you're, again, speaking their language. And that's where it really changed. I could walk into a room and if I didn't know who I was gonna meet with ahead of time, there's a few tricks. One is if you get there early, You can ask for a business card of who you're going to meet with, then you go look them up on the website, right? Or social media. Or I just wait till I got into the room and I didn't have to know everything their face said. I always looked for ear size, eye size, eyebrows. And those three things alone, I could at least break into understanding who that person was to make them feel seen and heard.
0: I love that. And it's so powerful because even with, let's say, someone who is looking to find their way in life, if they are unaware of this themselves, yes, they're going to struggle. So you help people who don't even have the awareness of how they hear, how they see, how they experience life, because not everyone is really that in tune with themselves.
1: 100%. The very first person that you end up, when you learn to read faces, stand in front of a mirror and you're like, holy crap, why have I never noticed like the angle eyebrow that I have? I didn't even realize I had it until I, I did a photo shoot and they were like, oh, yeah. And I saw it. I'm like, oh, God. And then so I went back and looked. I'm like, well, what age that thing show up? Because I used to have different kind of eyebrows. But yes. So now I have angled ones. Yeah.
0: So ears. Right? eyes. what would you say on how whether I'm auditory or
1: show me more of your ear because I could only see a little bit. All right. So see, you have you have larger ears, right? But you also have large eyes. So you're kind of like a double threat, but it's very easy to see people. As a matter of fact, let me show you one of my pictures here. So for you, I would either visual or auditory, both are good with you, right? But it's easy to see when somebody's the opposite way. So let me show you something.
0: I'm so fascinated with this because I truly love people and I love feeling and understanding people. And this just connects even more.
1: And that was the whole thing. And we already kind of talked about this, like how I read your face. So I'll go through this real fast. Uh huh. Why well, should I just get you the one? Then I'll come back to this. Cause this is one I love to show people. So we'll do the today backwards. <laughs> Did you ever see the show? The Voice? Yes. Okay. So what do they do? They start by, they listen to people. We if they like them, they turn around to see what they look like. Right. So here are a few judges from The Voice. Now, what do you look at when you see them? You're like, oh, look, there's four celebrities. But I look at those people and what I see is these are people that I would call or send a voice text versus an email or regular text. Because look at their eye, ear-to-eye ratio now that I've highlighted it
0: uh-huh.
1: and how much larger their ears are, right? So if you look wow. at each one of those people, so those are 100% auditory people. Now, people go, yeah, they're, they're musicians. I'm like, doesn't that just prove my point more? Right? Yes. But why were they picked to be on the voice where they listen to the person first? And if they like what they hear, then they turn around and see what they look like.
0: Um, This is amazing, actually.
1: Yeah. So I'll go back a few now. Because I want to show people, the number one thing is anybody can learn it. And that's the whole big thing is I didn't come up with this. This was literally taught to me. And you ask the question, how do you learn? Well, I would learn one eyebrow and I'd go out and test it. And then I'd learn another eyebrow and I'd go out and test it. And when I was giving presentations, I would figure out, like I was saying, okay, if they look like they're more visual, when I turned to them and I was talking to them, I'd, I'd use auditory or visual terms. Can you picture this? Do you see where I'm coming from? You could even go in, and this is where it gets a little bit crazy. Go and read a longer email from someone and people will tell you what how they want to be talked to. Because in their letter, It'll say things like, listen, it just doesn't sound like this is a good idea. I don't hear where you're coming from. And you're like, okay, that person's auditory. Or, wow. you know, yeah, I mean, you can literally just dissect what somebody tells you. And here's the really cool thing. You've actually already received training on how to read faces because we say these phrases. Hey, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone, take one on the chin, keep a stiff upper lip. These are part of our everyday language. So if I say keep a stiff upper lip, What does that mean to you?
0: Like, be strong like, don't lose it.
1: Don't share your emotions, right? So somebody who has a flatter upper lip, if you immediately start asking them a bunch of personal questions, they're like, well, well, you violated my safety zone. And so literally, if somebody, uh, this comes up all the time. Matter of fact, so I did a big event. where somebody hired me to read face. So there's two parts of my business. There's the speaking and training, and then there's entertainment. So I just did one of the largest mansions here in Dallas. And this lady sat down, she was all excited, and she had a bigger upper lip. Husband couldn't even see the guy had an upper lip. And so she's all excited. She's like, and I'm like, I know where this is going to go. She's excited. She's going to say, read him. And he already had his arms crossed, and, and he has no upper lip. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. So I know right away, who wants to have their face red and who doesn't like it now with that being said if somebody has a flatter upper lip and they volunteer to have their face red that's somebody who's challenging themselves because they don't like the idea of that and so i'll i'll actually call it out i'm like hey look i noticed you have a, a flatter upper lip you volunteered for this this is you getting way out of your comfort zone isn't it?" I'm like yeah and so i give them credit for doing it because yeah, it what was i going to show you there was another one i was going to show you real fast Hey, so here's what's based on, it's called physiognomy. Like I said, it's been around since the Greeks. But really what I loved about this is I have my bookshelf behind me, you can't see, full of body language books, you name it. Because I always felt like I had to, be an introvert, I never felt comfortable around people. And what I loved about face ring is it was the first proactive skill I could use. And that was a real game changer for me is because I felt prepared. And a good example that I went to Steve Sims event the speakeasy in san diego and what i did is he added me to his facebook group and as people were talking about hey i'm so excited to be there and everything i would just take a picture of their face and i'd analyze their face when i walked in i felt like i was meeting with friends versus random strangers i just walk up and start talking to them like oh yeah is this your third or fourth time here and i'm like no this is my first time here but i felt comfortable because i got out of my own head and into the present moment and that's what really changed it for me but with that being said, I think everybody needs to read body language books. These are two of my favorite ones. What Everybody's Saying by Joe Navarro. That one's reading other people's body language. And then you say more than you think is by my friend Janine Driver. And that's examining your own body language. Mm-hmm. The, the problem with those right now, we're doing things like we are in Zoom right now. I can't see what your body's doing. Are your arms crossed or your legs crossed? You name it. Exactly. But it's hard, right? And even if you can get a meeting, now everybody's got their laptops in front of them. So you can't always see what's going on. And here's the real game changer for me. Who would you rather talk to? The guy in the blue or the guy in the red? Right. The guy in the blue is reading faces. The guy in the red's looking at body language. Yeah. And so you're giving people. I, so, again, body language is super important. You have to know if something's going wrong in a room. And to your point, when you're cutting hair, people react with their body when they're afraid to say something. So you have to learn body language. But when you're giving or reading their faces, you're giving them your time and attention and they feel seen and heard.
0: Absolutely.
1: Another book, I was my first sales book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Good book. I think everybody should read it. Problem is now we hardly ever get to see anybody's office anymore. People are either doing work over phone, email, Zoom, coffee shops, or conference rooms. And even if you're at somebody's desk, so many corporations now have you can't personalize your desk because it may offend somebody with something that you have that it's a very bland offices. Before you'd walk in, okay, here's a picture of their family, here's a, a sporting emblem, here's, you know, whatever, a right. book on their shelf. Hardly anybody can do that. Anymore. But we were kind of talked about them. And here's my best part you asked her, like, how long does it take to learn? I'm going to show you eyebrows super fast. And then, uh, like, literally, I want you to go out and test it, and I'll see you in a week from today. And you can tell me, like, hey, does it work or not? I already know the answer, but I want you to look. So, that, what I do, go look up people on some type of social media. I find a good picture of them. The reason I say good is you want to be able to tell, like, we did your eyes earlier, other features, is if it's straight on and well-lit, you can see more pictures. Right. Or yeah. More features. Yeah. So, straight, not angled, tilted, and well-lit. Then what do i look for well there's two ways to look and read somebody's faces one is prominent what's the prominent features on their face so if they were going to draw a characterist was going to draw your face what would they over exaggerate that's a prominent feature or i have my go-to ones, like i talked about earlier eyes ears eyebrows are my top three and i go from there so you can just decide what do you want to look at then what do you do you translate so what do you want to say and then you put it in their language so we already talked about this earlier Are they auditory? Are they visual? Are they kinesthetic? Now, here's the key thing. This is when you're talking to someone. If you're sending in a presentation to somebody, though, what you want to do is you want to pepper in all three of those because what happens to presentations or emails, they get forwarded on to somebody else. And what if that person is visual, but you were sending it to an auditory person? So you add in all three of those. So no matter who gets that, then you know, okay, I've covered all my bases.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. One of the things I remember you saying was being able to see the nostrils. And when you can see someone's nostrils, then they are more comfortable to have people. They feel people are safer around them. And I remember just being so gravitated to that one.
1: Yeah, it's because when you can see. So, okay, if I say, go ahead and take a deep breath. Go ahead. Why'd you go through your nose? Right. So nostrils actually show how we take in life. And when we can see someone else's nostrils, we're like, hell, they got air to share with everybody else. And so a feature that's the opposite and watch this, when you go and watch villains, the devil, vampires, you name it, like a villain in a, even a cartoon, their nose is angled down so that, that all their air is just theirs. And what's the, the common theme with them all is they don't care about anybody else's agenda, right? It's just whatever it takes for them to survive. So vampires are the perfect example. Well, sorry, somebody's got to die, but I got to eat. What do vampires have? Downturned nose. And you can't see their nostrils. So it's the opposite. When you can see someone's nostrils, it's like, oh, look, I have plenty of air to share. And you can come up and borrow some of mine. And we don't know why we do that. That's what literally we've been taught over time. I'd love that. The simple way to look at it is, who am I going to be talking to? What do I see or read? And how do I approach that person? Right. So we'll go through eyebrows real fast because I know we're getting ready to run out of time. But why do I start with eyebrows? Because you can see eyebrows from far away. And like I talked about. Eyebrows lead to eye contact. That's the number one reason why I do it. Then you can look at the three people. It doesn't matter what position they're in, you can still make out their eyebrow shape. Here's the fun part Google people without eyebrows, and you won't even recognize celebrities once you take their eyebrows away. Wow. Yeah. I mean, literally, you can do this right now. I just did this the other day. For some reason, Nicolas Cage always shows up. Angelina Jolie, look at her. She looks like an alien. And this is literally right off Google. You can see from here, but that's how important when we look at somebody, we pay attention to their eyebrows and we don't recognize them if they take them away.
0: Eyebrows are so important.
1: Oh, yes, Uh, And here's the reason why I swear you lead me into stuff. (laughs) They are important because they are what protects our eyes. So it started out that they protect them from sand, dirt, dust, you name it. But when we're born, if we're lucky enough to be born with sight, that's the first way we take in the world. And so all babies have large eyes. And then as they learn to speak or hear things, their eyes may go smaller. Their ears may go larger or their mouth, right? Because they, they learn to talk more, listen more, you name it, but we're born with a fear of heights and a fear of loud noises, but we take in our world visually first. And that's why we have eyebrows is to protect our eyes. And what's cool about eyebrows are tells us how do we take in, how do we process information? So there's two types of eyebrow heights. There's eyebrows are high and away from the eye and there's eyebrows are right on top of the eye an easy way to think about is like speed bumps on a street if a speed bump is in the middle of the road then you can only go so fast you have to slow down go over the speed bump then you can try and speed up again but if the speed bump is right before a stop sign you can tear butt down that street and only have to stop right before the stop sign right well that's no different with data racing down your forehead to get into your eye if the higher the eyebrow is you go slow, go over the speed bump, and go in to get data. And so when you're looking at someone, you can actually look at if they have a high eyebrow. That means go slow, give them a minute, and then go again. So if you need, if you meet somebody who has an eyebrow that's not right on top of their eye, then that's how much time they need to make a decision. So the higher the eyebrow is, the more time they need. So if you were to do a pressure sale on somebody like this, where there's a lot of space between the eyebrow and the eye, you can make a sale. But you'll never have a customer because they will have buyer's remorse out the wazoo. So, you know, give them the information, give them some time. Say, hey, let me know if you have any other questions. Follow back up with that first. Now, the inverse of that is when it's right above their eyebrow, that's somebody who understands facts, figures, data fast and makes decisions quick. So if the eyebrow is right above the eye, I talk to them. I give them the basic information and I just shut up and go, Okay, what else do you need?
0: I'm so blown away. I honestly, I'm, I'm on pins and needles. I can't wait to go like, look at my friends' faces right now.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm doing it. So I, the event I did with Steve was for something called the Black Diamond Club. And it was chiropractors. And what's funny is they gave me a taste of my own medicine because I said, can you guys, just by looking at how my body is, tell me what's going on with my body? They're like, yeah, you lean this way and you need to do this and this. And I'm like, I'm about to teach you guys the same thing, but in a different way. So all these different things about the body are there, but again, we're not trained as chiropractors, so I can't tell that I'm leaning or whatever, but they could just, by my stance alone, tell me where I need this and this and why I'm leaning. So it kind of reaffirmed this, but this is just what our face says about this. I love. Yeah. So I'm going to show you three more eyebrows, then we'll kind of race to the end here because I know we've been on for a little bit. So there's three basic shapes, just like when we were kids, what'd you learn? What peg goes in what hole? Well, that's what we're going to learn about eyebrows today. So the three basic shapes, straight, angled and rounded. I like to put phrases into things because I was raised with Dr. Seuss and I learned when I learned phrases, it was easy for me to remember. So straight to the point, what's my angle and well-rounded are the three types of eyebrows. So examples of a straight eyebrow. When you see that, get straight to the point, facts, figures, data, you name it, stop and ask, what other information do you want? So if you're in selling an automobile, okay, here's the car, here's the gas mileage, here's the interest rates, here's what your payments will be, what else do you need to know? If you're selling a house, okay, you want square footage, are you looking for a 3-3, a 3-2, 2-2, what's your price range, what's your interest rate? And stop. Because when people have the straight eyebrows, especially when they're close to the eye, the longer you talk, the more you lose them. And so that's how you I change my pitch depending on who I'm talking to. There was a guy that used to be over a state that I did a lot of business in. he had the most dramatic angled eyebrow ever. And so I knew I had to involve him in every single process because the what's my angle right here, help them understand it so they can help other people. So an angled eyebrow isn't a bad feature. It just means I need to understand it first and then I'll help people afterwards. But if I don't understand it, I can't help people. That's how I got mine. Once I became a corporate trainer, what did I have to do? I had to learn the material so I could regurgitate it and help other people learn it as well. So when now, because they like to be involved, you ask questions like, "Well, what do you think?" So if I was selling, and again using real estate as as an example, I would ask the people. I would involve the people in the entire process. Hey, this is the next step of it. Especially you, right? Because you have the process driven things. Here's our next step of what we have to do. And I would keep you involved in the process. The entire time. So it's how you use different features. Then the, the rounded eyebrow, They think about the people around them, friends, family, coworkers, you name it. Everybody that's in their tribe is who they're always thinking about first themselves second. And so when I'm selling anything to them, I talk about how other people benefit first and then how they benefit second because they're so used to putting everybody else first. If I make it about them, they don't understand what I'm talking about. These are the people who love Yelp want to hear opinions that other people have because they want to hear from outside people and that's how they call make their own decisions. So this one, we already talked about eyes and angles earlier. So we'll skip past that because I know we're running out of time. This is the big thing that we talked about earlier is genetics versus epigenetics. So genetics is what are you born with. Epigenetics is what happens to you with your body. Why do I have these pictures here? Because the guy in the yellow shirt, you can tell. If he only went to the gym and did upper body, right? And so that's why he's got the big upper body and little tiny legs. Well, you don't go off. That's genetics. No, it's not. It's what he went to the gym and, and what muscles move. Your face is no different. And that's why epigenetics is really cool in that you can take identical twins, same genetic code, same parents, but they had different experiences romantically. Maybe one's really good at sports. The other one isn't. Maybe one's good at academics. The other one isn't. What happens is the mind creates movement, movement creates muscle, and that's what alters our face over time. And that's why two things that we don't recognize somebody, if somebody ever has a stroke and you see their face like fall, we don't recognize them. Or a lot of times, if we go to an open casket funeral, you look at the person you're like, that, that doesn't look like Bob. It's because all those, that tension in their face is gone. And those tension is what creates all the lines in our face and the movement. So like we're talking about your talk lines. That's a result of you talking, and it creates those lines over time. You weren't born with talk lines. You you earn them over time. And so the lines on our face are like maps of where we've been to tell people how to go in the future with us.
0: I would like to pretend that those are not there.
1: Well, they're only there when you smile. Yeah.
0: They are definitely there.
1: Right. So, you know, throwing myself out there, just like you guys, that's of me at 18 versus 38. And if you look like my eyebrows were different, my eyes used to both angle down like I talked about. And that's the way I was raised was always look out for the problems you need to, you know, keep anticipating what could go wrong. As I learned to overcome that, my eyes actually angled differently. Again, this angled eyebrow I didn't have when I was a kid there. And look how even my ears used to stick out because ears are like wind drag. So the more your ears stick out, the more you push back on how it's done by everybody else. And then as you become more of a conformist, your ears go back closer to your head.
0: At, I'm just so blown away with this, Brian. I I literally feel like this needs to be in schools. I, like, every child needs to learn this. Every student needs to have this as their. I imagine how much it would help in in. I mean, if I had this years ago, my business would be thriving on a whole different level.
1: So I'm actually speaking next month at the Texas Educators Association because I'm teaching teachers not how to. I'm first starting with how to understand your coworkers better, but then how to understand your students. But you're 100% right. Look, one of the things that, and I was reading about this, because I, again, I have a four-year-old about to be five. Kids are in a really weird phase because everything is perfected for them, right? Remember, and growing up as a kid, I had to pick up the phone, call, hope somebody answers, no caller ID or anything. And you had to get over that and make that phone call. Kids now have text messaging where they get to perfect, or create the perfect text. How many times do you see a kid take 85 photos? They didn't have to do like us, where we took it and had to take it to the Kodak store and hope it was a good picture three weeks later, right? So they're trying to create all these perfect things. They can craft an email, a text, perfect a photo. They're looking for perfection. They don't understand how to have just face-to-face conversations anymore. It's terrifying. Like kids today... The idea of of picking up a phone, calling somebody is the same fear that most people have this day and age of public speaking because their entire world is about creating perfection. And that's not reality, but that's what they're used to. You know, and we're all guilty, but don't get me wrong. We don't put all the shitty stuff in our life up on social media. We put the things that we think will make other people happy or something we want to share and we want to share good things. But kids live in that entire world today. And that's exactly why I wanted to start teaching it was I was that introvert. I was the one who was out in public, but I was living in a prison of my own mind. This body language got me partially out of my way. This is the skill that got me out of my way completely. Am I still nervous in crowds? Yeah. Am I still nervous to get on stage? Yeah. But I have a tool to help me get over that. And once you learn to focus on other people, you quit. You get out of your mind, right? Because you're overthinking too many things. But when I'm focusing on other people, you're not thinking about me. And right. if you... Have you ever read the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl?
0: No, I've Ugh. heard of it. I hear it's amazing, but I have not read
1: it yet. It's a fantastic book. He actually was a Holocaust survivor. And literally from the time they got off the train, somebody pointed this way, you live. Someone points this way, you went to the gas chambers. Mm. But what he, he survived the entire incarceration there. And what he found is the people that were trying to survive, not just because, well, I want to live. Like The way to live is strong. But it was the people who wanted to see their husband, wife, daughter, son again, or their parents, grandparents, you name it, that were trying to live to see other people outlasted everybody else. And that just goes to show you the power of when you do things for not just yourself, but for other people, we have more intensity and it's just crazy. I'll show you two more things real fast and then we'll move on. Like now that you've known the three eyebrows, you can just look at these three different people and see, okay, well... She's got rounded eyebrows. So, you know, she thinks about the people around her. She's got both an angled one and a straight one. That's because we have two sides of our face. We have the business side and the personal side. And an easy way to remember it in the U.S. is if I say, hey, are you married? It's a personal question. A wedding ring would be on this hand. So this is your personal side. This is your professional side. So we can actually look like two-faced people because we can be somebody completely different at home than we are at work. And his... Low eyebrows, they're straight. Get straight to the point. Don't waste this time. And you could do the same thing when you see people. You just start looking at eyebrows and thinking, how would I interact with them differently? That's it. For the people who are here, if they scan it, they can get the cheat sheet, the three eyebrows. So I'm going to be changing this for the event we're at next week, but that's what's up there right now. They can just scan it, throw in the email address, then they'll get that. So...
0: You know, I have to say, you are the first person I ever saw the barcode with. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever.
1: Oh, yeah. Because I go in and I can change where it leads and everything else. Oh, it, it, look, we all carry business cards around. or You've seen what I have. I actually carry around where I can draw faces. Whoops. Where I can draw faces. And I put a QR code on the bottom of that as well.
0: So, I yeah. think it's genius. Yeah, you were the first one I ever saw that with. And now I'm cool enough to have it on my business cards, too.
1: Oh, you have to. It may, Especially with COVID and restaurants not doing menus or anything, and we're so used to QR codes, people automatically do it. Now, I'm still amazed some people can't figure out how to make it happen, but it is a lot easier than carrying around 500 business cards.
0: That is for sure. Yeah. I literally cannot wait to see you next week. And I am so, so excited that we had this opportunity because I can't wait to show you off now. Oh, yeah. Um, Thank you.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity. This was fun.
0: It was. And uh, I get to see you next week and I cannot wait to see what we both get to create.
1: Yes. So well, let's go sit by each other for sure.
0: Absolutely. And I'll be like taking pictures of you on stage.
1: Fantastic. All right. I'll see you t- next week.
0: Sounds perfect. Thanks, guys.
1: Bye, y'all.